Romans 5 in your Bibles. If you want to turn ahead, visitors, let's see who you are and where you are. If you're a guest here tonight, would you raise your hand? All the visitors of Beacon Baptist, welcome to you. God bless you. Thank you for being here. A few announcements. Christmas Day service. Let me remind you what we're doing on Christmas Day. We have combined Sunday school in here. And what we're going to do during that time is hear from missionaries who are in foreign fields and um, a Christmas greeting. And we have several we're going to hear from, our missionaries. And so that's combined Sunday school, all the grades in the auditorium at 10 o'clock. At 11 o'clock, I'll be bringing, again, a gospel, simple gospel presentation, Lord willing. And um, so I would encourage you, again, to invite your friends, neighbors who are lost. I just know that on a Christmas day, some people will come into church that don't normally attend. So we want to give them the opportunity to hear the gospel. After the morning service, we have a Christmas brunch that's provided by the church in the gym. So everybody's going to go over there, and it's going to be nice, real nice. So um, be sure to go over there, enjoy the good time of fellowship. There's a meeting for all of those who know that you're a worker at the brunch. You know who you are with Brother Buddy, and that'll be in the overflow over here tonight after church. So as soon as church is over, all of you workers, helpers, be sure to meet him in the overflow as soon as church is over. And then in the gym, after a while we're eating, it's a brunch, um, Christmas brunch, while we're eating, I'll be preaching over there. I'll be speaking, and uh, an unusual message. So I think you'll want to hear that and be there and open your hearts to the Word of God as well. December the 29th, as you know, 11 a.m., the funeral service for uh, Charles Dupree, if you can be here, um, we encourage you to do that, and I'll be speaking at that as well. 2023 budget sheets for the coming year are available in the foyer, so be sure to go back there and get your copy, pray about it. We'll be meeting in a couple weeks and voting on that before the new year, and so keep that in mind as well. Also Wednesday, be in your places this Wednesday, there's no kids club or ambassadors, Beacon kids, there we go. Um, we need something different so I can kind of remember these things. Um, Beacon Kids, uh, Kids Clubs on Mondays, and, but not this Monday, right? This Monday. Oh, that's right. I'm coming. It's a Christmas party, right? Yeah, that's right. I'm supposed to be there. I think I'm preaching. No, I'm just kidding. Um, anyway, Wednesday, they're in here, and I'll be teaching, Lord willing, this Wednesday. So just hope you're all in your places for that. We may be baptizing Wednesday night, a couple of uh, UCF students, so be in prayer about that, hopefully, so we'll let you know. And to the visitors here again, God bless you. Thank you for being with us. Let's sing to the Lord, shall we? Go tell it on the mountain, 212. Let's stand, shall we? Stand it together again, please. Go tell it on the mountain, hymn number 212. We'll sing all three verses. We'll start with the chorus. Go tell them on 212.
seated. We sang that one year, and one of the men came to me and said, Pastor, I can't tell it on the mountain. I'm in Florida unless we drive 17 hours. And I said, Mike Chong, it's a metaphor. Just accept it as a metaphor. <laughs> Romans 5. Tonight is communion, obviously. Romans chapter 5. We're going to spend some time here tonight together. And I want you to notice in particular five separate verses in which Paul uses the very same expression five times. Verse 9, much more. There it is. Underline it if you haven't already. Some of you may remember the Roman series we did many years ago. I'm sure we underlined it then. Much more, much more then. Being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Wow, that's a blessing, isn't it? Saved from wrath. Much more, he says. Verse 10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. That's what we preached on this morning. Reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more. There it is again. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Verse 15, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace. Verse 17, for if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. And then finally, verse 20, moreover the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did, here it is, much more abound. Let me say this, behind all of these statements in Romans 5, concerning the much more of God's salvation, there is seen the shadow of the Old Testament trespass offering, which Paul obviously knew very well. You see, in Leviticus chapter 5, the law required that before a transgressor could offer the trespass offering, he first had to restore what he had stolen, plus an additional fifth part, 20%. As a result of that, the wronged party actually became the gainer in the situation so that he received what he had lost, plus more, plus much more. And beloved, this is precisely what has happened in God's great plan of salvation. Adam fell through sin, and the law came, and sin abounded. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And what does it mean? In light of tonight's communion service, beloved, I want us to be reminded that it means everything. Notice in verse 15, he presents the same truths as verse 20. He says, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift of, by grace, which is by one, one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. In other words, if by one man's offense, that's Adam, that one man who sinned, Adam, many are spiritually dead. Well, much more is the grace of God, whereby through one man's obedience, many are spiritually alive. And folks, what that means, what that teaches us, are specific, incredible, glorious truths about salvation that all of us here tonight, in light of this, I think, need to take a fresh look at. 
The first thing, there are three, and I want you to notice them and think about them. The first one is in verses 8 and 9, and it's called, as you know, justification. Go back there, would you? But God commendeth, showed his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. I want you to think very carefully for just a moment about what God is saying here. The law and the Ten Commandments and beyond are really what makes sin to abound. Paul said that, I would not have known covetousness except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. I read it, I smote him. He apparently was a covetous man. And so it makes sin abound. It reminds us of how guilty we really are before a holy God. And of course, no man, the Bible says, can be justified by the law. You can't look at the law and say, well, I'm going I'm to justify myself by keeping the law. You'd have to live a perfect, sinless life. On the other hand, God can, even with the law, forgive a guilty man. Do you ever think about that? God can look down at the law and choose through his son's death, the blood of Christ, and forgive anyone, and that would be more than we deserve. However, what God is prepared to do is much more. Why? Because in God's plan of salvation, he doesn't just forgive a sinner. He justifies a sinner. Pastor, what's the difference? Well, to be forgiven... You know, you would, you would plead guilty, and to be justified, or not guilty, you can plead innocent. Think of this. In a court of law, if a jury passes down a verdict that says, not guilty, okay, that might be a relief to someone like, say, O.J. Simpson. Not guilty. But it is not the same, and no jury is able to say that a defendant is innocent. And you know, beloved, the sacrifice of God's Son is why God looks down at a repentant sinner who believes on Christ and declares him justified. Justified, never sinned. And that is much more, much more than the law or religion or good deeds could ever do. We're going to look at that in a moment. But again, this is communion This is the Lord's table. It's a memorial that our Lord Jesus set up the last night before he was to shed his blood for man's sin. He took the Passover meal, as you know, and he fulfilled it. And he took two elements of that meal, one of which, as you know, is the bread. I'm going to ask Brother Mike Chung if he would to stand. He's going to ask the blessing upon the bread, and then we will pass that out. Brother Mike. Heavenly Father, we are just so grateful that we can come here, Lord, and remember your sacrifice on the cross for our sins. Lord, we can never repay what you did for us, Lord, but we are so grateful. And Lord, we ask that you just bless this night, Lord, and uh, work on our hearts, Lord, and, and tune our hearts, Lord, to uh, be more like you. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. The men are going to pass out the bread representing the body of Christ, and during that time, I encourage you to read Romans 5. Just read it slowly. Maybe focus on a verse or two, Romans 5 and verse 6. It's either the ice cream truck (laughs) or a phone.
We stated earlier that as wonderful as it is that God is prepared to forgive us, and he is, that in his plan he's made it possible to do much more. This is repeated for a reason, obviously. Much more because he is also prepared because of Christ and because of his son and what he did to justify us. And just as this bread signifies, this was not merely academic or abstract with God. Beloved, consider the cost. That's why we're here. That's what this is about. At what cost that God could ever make this possible? God is love, we surely know, by our Savior's depths of woe. Someone says, Pastor, I just, I just all I want is a, a fair trial. Not me. All I want is a free pardon. Not me. I don't want to stand before God and try to enter the holiness of heaven for all of eternity with a band-aid over my sin. And the truth is, God wouldn't allow us into heaven with our sin on our record. You know, there used to be a bumper sticker back a few decades ago, years ago, that said, Christians are not perfect, just forgiven. Remember that? It's true, but you know what Paul's much more bumper sticker would say on his chariot, if he had one? Christians aren't just forgiven, they're perfect. Really? It's called justification. You say, I don't get that, Pastor. Well, let's go to the second much more, and you'll see where Paul is headed. Look at verse 10. He says, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Now note this carefully. Number one, we have the much more of justification. And being saved by his life, what that means is, number two, we have the much more also of sanctification. Meaning that not only does Christ save us from the penalty of sin, you know, there's no penalty if you're innocent, but also much more. He also saves us from the power of sin. He who gave his life for me also gave his life and gives his life to me. I am come, Jesus said, that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. You see, beloved, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, but much more than that, we're continually being renewed, it says here, by the life, his life. And he is alive tonight in our presence. Rick so showed me a webpage some years ago that was called Theology from a Bunch of Dead Guys. You know, Wesley and Thiessen and uh, Edwards, Bob Dalton. Oh, wait, no, he's still alive. Sorry, brother, you're still alive. Not yet. Well, you know what? These dead guys that were in that website, they're not really dead. Think about that. They're alive. And they surely didn't serve a dead Savior while they were serving God. It has always amazed me at what people consider fanatical. The World Cup celebration today, did you see any of it? Oh my goodness. The weeping, the falling down, the dancing, the fainting, all these Argentinians. Now I get it, but it's still soccer. They won and they still cried like it was a funeral. But somehow that's not fanatical. 
I read the other day these chess players, world-class quality chess players, give 18 hours a day, every day, all their lives to be successful. That's not fanatical. A bunch of them checked into the breakers and they were talking about their IQs and their victories and their money there in the, in the lobby and eventually the concierge asked them to disperse and they said, why? He said, because no one wants chestnuts boasting in an open foyer. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I don't know. But 18 hours a day, that's not fanatical? But you let a Christian serve Jesus because he knows that Jesus is alive? You let a, a child of God serve Christ with zeal because it's real to him. He knows where he's going. And somehow that's fanatical. Again, beloved, we're not preaching tonight and we're not living a dead theology. These religions that are obsessed with death and dying, which is most of them, by the way, and they're fixated with dusty, musty, mummified relics and old books of the past, and the past alone. Their faith is in a shrine. Their faith is in a bunch of bones or a shroud, thousand-year-old cathedral. This is not the much more of God's salvation. I'm here tonight. You're here tonight because you serve a living Savior. I'm here because ever since the last week of August in 1970, I've been reconciled, as it says here, to the living God. We serve a living Savior. And it's his life, his life that empowers us, even tonight. We're not just energized by some old ideas. We're not energized by theories or things. We're not being changed by creeds or catechisms. We're being changed by Christ, by the living God. We speak to him in prayer, and he hears us right now. We read his word, and he speaks right now. We obey his will, he guides us right now. Sanctification is more. In fact, it is much more than religion could ever be. I remember many years ago, Brother Ed Coffey came to our church for the very first time in the old building. And he's from Liberia and grew up there, very, very thick accent. And of course, this was his first visit to America, and as such, he wasn't familiar with our, our little colloquialisms and our expressions, and so the first time I used one around him, I said, Brother Coffee, we better hit the road. And he looked at me, and I looked over. He had a big grin on his face. And he said, Brother Blaylock, I do not know what you mean by hit the road. I thought he'd think we'd go there and smack the road with our fist or something. I explained to him. We drove off to Stewart, and we laughed and talked about different expressions in English and so forth. And he said, you Americans are crazy, Brother Blaylock, and you're very blessed. I said, eat your heart out. His eyes got that big, so. <laughs> anyway, a few years later, he came back to America to visit us again, and we went out to eat, and he said, Brother Blaylock, I have a new one for you. American expression. I said, yeah? He said, yes. We, as Christians, we live high on the hog. <laughs> he was so proud of himself. And I said, amen, Brother Red. We do live high on the hog. Sanctification, life more abundantly. It's called in Romans 14, 17, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. 
Verse 10 again, look at it. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. That's what we're remembering tonight. Much more, being reconciled, we should be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. That's the Christian life, beloved. We have joy in God through Jesus right now. Salvation testimony. We have a couple tonight, Brother Steve. Would you mind, brother, stand up and tell us your salvation testimony, please? Um, I grew up in a, in a mainstream Christian home that uh, we weren't saved. Um, we went to the United Church of Christ, not the goofy one, the normal one. And uh, I went every Sunday school and Sunday morning. And um, I heard about Jesus, the things we learned. Uh, I, I completely believed that the Bible was God's word, that, um, you know, Jesus was the son of God. I knew who God was. I knew that uh, Christmas was when we celebrated Christ coming to the earth. Mm-hmm. I knew Easter was when we celebrated his resurrection. And um, one other thing that I knew, um, I, I had heard as a young person um, a sermon on the radio, the car radio, talked about uh, Noah's story and uh, how God had saved him. And... Um, with, with wrong theology, I thought, well, he, he obviously was a pretty good guy, and I knew I wasn't a good guy. Even as a young person, I knew that I was a sinner. Hmm. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to get through this. No and uh, so uh, I wanted to be, um, God to choose me to be saved and uh, take me to be in heaven. And there was one thing, obviously, that's missing, and that's why Pastor and I have, the, have a long-standing joke, too long, where uh, we talk about, you know, being a Lutheran or being a United Church of Christ. Um, what they told me was true, but what they, there was a, something they failed to tell me. And so, skipping ahead, I was about uh, ninth grade. We went, my grandparents always took us to the county fairs in Ohio, and there, were, there was a lot of them. And we would, uh, every other weekend or so, we would be at a, at a county fair. We were at a county fair, and uh, I... My, my, my two sisters, which were younger than me, and me were walking around the midway, and uh, a couple men from, um, turned out to be from uh, Youth for Christ or, or something on that order, some kind of youth workers, asked us if we wanted to see a film, and we did. And uh, we went in and sat in a trailer with just, you know, benches sitting in there. And it turned out the film wasn't a film, it was a film strip. There's an audio thing playing, every once in a while it would ding, and the guy would advance the the film strip, one, <laughs> one frame. And initially I was kind of bummed out. I thought, well, that, that doesn't look, that's not a movie, you know, they, <laughs> they got us in here. But as I, as I was listening to the film strip, it was everything that I had learned in the United Church of Christ and, and the Lutheran Church, right up until the, about the middle to, to the end of this thing when they said that Christ had come to die for me. And to make it possible for me to be saved and to go to, be to, to, go to heaven with him. Mm. And when it's asked if you wanted to be saved, I put my hand up and uh, 
from that time, I always knew that I was saved, but um, we were unchurched. There was no follow-up. And a few years later, the Lord sent uh, this cute little girl, and I mm -hmm. couldn't see her. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to see her. She was, she was just 15 at the time, and I was just 16 or 17. Uh, I couldn't see her unless I went to church. So good thing was the Baptist church had Sunday school, Sunday morning. <laughs> we had Sunday night. We had youth group after church. We had Wednesday night. And so with that and seeing her at high school, um, the Lord caused me to grow and made a difference. And God's people said, wow, that's a blessing to me. A reminder, too, of those working with little ones. You plant these seeds, these children, in these places. Um, these are not wastes of time at all, going out and about. Brother Steve was the man who called me on the phone when I was in Tennessee and said, hey, would you come down and I get on down here and candidate? And I stayed in their home. It rained. I had to wear his shorts because um, my suit got wet. Yeah, I will never forget it. It was, uh, it was definitely too tight. <laughs> I'll put it that way. <laughs> it was much more fit. But uh, I love this brother so, so much. And um, his testimony has always blessed my heart. I want you to look at your bread for a moment and think about the cost, would you? Think about the fact that, that Jesus became, God became flesh. He became a man. He became flesh for the very purpose that he could, in that flesh, be beaten, crucified, and die. Jesus said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Our Father, thank you. Our hearts soar when we hear salvation testimonies because we know that even though everybody in this room can get something different, a detail, all of us came to the cross. All of us came through the blood of Christ and the broken body. We are so grateful for the much more, the much more that your salvation provides much more than anything we could have ever devised in our minds and hearts. Thank you. We love you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. As you know, after the Lord passed the bread out and told the disciples that this would be a picture, a symbol of my body that would be broken, he then took the cup, the Bible says, the juice, the fruit of the vine, and he also said, I want you to remember my blood that was shed, you know, reminding us, of course, the scripture says that his blood speaks better things than that of Abel's sinless the sinless Son of God. I'm going to ask Brother Remo if he would to stand. He's going to pray for the, the juice and then we'll pass it out. Remo, just, uh, thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you come. Thank you for what you did for us. Especially the blood. The blood. The blood of God. Pure blood. Sin, not painted with sin like we are. We just thank you for this time that we can thank, thank you. Thank you for doing all that you did for us on the cross. And we just uh, pray you bless now for passing up. Pray in Jesus. And amen. Perhaps keep reading Romans 5, Romans 6, or Romans 4 as well um, as we pass it up. Five times in five verses, five times in five verses, the Holy Spirit inspires Paul 
to write much more. Yes. Through justification, that was first, where God in the past has delivered us from the penalty of sin. Through sanctification, that was second, where God in the present delivers us from the power of sin. But then thirdly, you'll notice, through glorification, that's the future, God will one day deliver us from the presence of sin. To that I say hallelujah. Verse 17, for if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more, much more. They which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign, shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Now wait a minute. Familiar theme for Paul in the Bible, in the New Testament in fact, the words shall reign, it's future. It's a promise of God. So that think about this, all of this blessing and this glory and this joy and this peace, it's not just temporary. It's not just past as a blessing or present as a blessing. It's not even just life and life more abundantly, which is what you almost always hear on TV. Folks, it's eternal life and a forever blessing. It is exactly what Paul said in Romans 8.18 when he said that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. You see, we as Christians don't deny the sufferings of this present time. We don't deny them. Can't imagine being a Christian scientist. These other groups that deny whether it's all in your head and or prosperity God. We don't deny the sufferings of today. We have our heartaches and our sorrows, our sicknesses and our aches and our pains, but we also know the whole story. We know what Paul said, the glory. It's not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. The aches and the pains and the heartaches of this world. I got some gingerbread cookies today. And it reminded me of the gingerbread man that went to the doctor and said, Doctor, my knee hurts all the time. And his doctor said, have you tried icing it? (laughs) (laughs) Aches and pains. I ice everything now. Everything seems needs ice. We don't deny that there's heartache and an enemy and there's a battle and there are scars from the battles. But Paul said it's not worthy to be compared with the glory. That's much more, much more, the glory that shall be revealed. We who at one time were enemies and rebels and sinners are destined for crowns and thrones. And of the increase of his kingdom, there shall be no end. Some time ago, I had to go to Stuart and get something, visit someone up in the hospital. And on the way back, I noticed on Canner Highway, right on the roadside there, there was a sign that said kettle corn. And sure enough, there was a, a big giant copper pot and sort of like a food truck. And there was a man there cooking up kettle corn. And you know, it had been decades, decades. The last time I remember having kettle corn was in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. And we did it like once a month when we went over there. And so I did a U-turn And I went in there, and I just wanted to see it. And sure enough, man, the smell was like, it was perfect. And you know the taste, a little salt, a little sugar. And as soon as I tasted it, I was transported to Pigeon Forge. 
And it's amazing how memories are. It just sent memories of Louise and the boys when they were little to these wonderful times there in East Tennessee. But wait a minute. Here's what the promise of glorification does. The much more of God's salvation. It is that every time you receive a blessing down here, now, every time you enjoy an experience, rejoice in a victory, taste of God's goodness, you know what? That's not a reminder of what was in the kingdom of God. It's really a reminder of what's coming for eternity in the kingdom of God. It's a taste of the grapes of Eskel, of the promised land that's coming. The world gets nostalgic always for the past. We as Christians actually get nostalgic for what's coming in eternity, what's ours forever. As we said last week, you take the best thing that is now, the very best experience, the very best time, the very best moment you've ever had, if you're saved tonight, you can write in the margin of your life right next to that, you ain't seen nothing yet. Most men, Jesus said, put out the best wine first and serve the lesser at the last. But not with God. For us, God is saving the best for eternity. The best is yet to come, and when it comes, it will never fade away. This is much more, much more. This is what God promises in his salvation through his son, Jesus. Justification. Sanctification. Glorification. We have all of the mercies of God. We have much more. And you know, beloved, if there's anything that communion is meant to do, it is to raise our hearts in praise and gratitude for what he has done for us. I'll remind you that what you know, that at the Last Supper, Jesus said to those disciples, drink this cup. I will not drink it with you again until... I drink it with you in the kingdom. That was a promise. We're going to meet again in the kingdom. Even then, he was showing us the much more that we have now and the much more that's yet to come. Another salvation testimony, and then we'll pray. Brother James, you're over here. Brother Gibney, God bless his family. Thank you, brother. So... um... I could probably talk to you all night until midnight about my salvation testimony because there's nothing more I enjoy than to share God's goodness, his grace poured out in my life. But I'll be brief with my words, as my wife has astutely reminded me. (laughs) But um, it's amazing the cloud of witness that was in my life, how many people were praying for me. I think of Joan and Glenn Hamilton, how I met them at the Republican Party meeting in Greenville, they were praying for me. My friend Patrick Haddon was praying for me. My, uh, my girlfriend at the time was praying for me. And she invited me to go to church with her on Sunday, April 26, 2009. You know, the, the amazing thing is God has a plan for each and every one of us, and it's perfect. And when I was 18 and I was in college, a gentleman sat down, his name was Tim. He shared the gospel with me, and he said, James, you need to be saved. And I said, no, 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 Tim, you don't understand. I'm Catholic. Oh, I'm saved. But he was right. I needed to be saved. Hmm. And on April 26, 2009, Pastor Taylor um, was preaching about uh, Dr. Jim Benny's wife who passed away the day before. 
And he said something that was just burning in my heart. I had never heard something like that, that it just, God was speaking to me. He said, if God isn't doing something for you, he's doing something in you so he can do something through you. And I said, wow, God, that speaks to me. Hmm. And um, my friend Patrick had been challenging me. He had said, James, why don't you read John 1, 2, and 3 and Romans 4, 5, and 6? And, you know, the amazing thing was I, I read them, but I didn't really understand them. Um, so after church, Becky asked me a question. She said, you know, James, what's wrong? You, you seem really sad. And I said to her, I said, well, all this time, God's been wanting to have a relationship with me, and I've been turning my back on him. So I figured, you know what, let me just go to bed. I'll wake up. I'll be right as rain. Everything will be fine. I won't feel as bad. It's an amazing thing, conviction. I woke up on Monday, April 27th. I couldn't think. I couldn't concentrate. I was still very, very sorrowful because I knew I was a sinner. So I, I called over to Calvary Baptist Church, and I said, hey, is Pastor Taylor available? They said, no, Pastor Taylor isn't available, but Pastor Robert Graziano is. I said, well, can I talk to him? He said, sure. I said, can I speak to you? He said, yeah, when do you want to come by? I said, can I come by right now? And literally, I was on the path. You know, we all have a path. We're just like the thief at the cross. There's the one who wants to be with Jesus in heaven and the one who doesn't. And at that moment, in that hour, I went to Calvary. And Pastor Robert asked me, he said, James, you know, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you were to die today, do you know where you're going? I said, yes, I'm going to hell and I need Jesus. And I know it's different for everyone, but for me, it, it's a, a miraculous gift. The day, the hour, the minute we get saved. It is a miracle. Hmm. And I felt my sorrow turn to joy. I felt the weight of my sin lifted off of me. And that's to God's glory. Hmm. And that's to his praise. And, and for that, I, I just remember, like, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Hmm. Right? Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Yes. Right? And just so grateful for this church. God called us and brought us here to Beacon Baptist Church. And all of you, we pray for you. We're so thankful for you. We're thankful for you, Pastor. That where sin abound, grace abounded much more. Amen. And to that I say amen. Amen. God's people said, what a joy. What a blessing. Thank you, James. Look at your cup for a moment and think about the blood of Christ and be grateful. Be grateful. And Jesus said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. Father in heaven, how grateful we are. Just these two testimonies, just these two salvation testimonies, enough to make us rejoice and be reminded that all of us come by grace or not at all. We thank you for your goodness, your grace, the gift of salvation. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us tonight of how good you are by giving us not just more, but much, much more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. On behalf of everyone at Beacon Baptist Church, we thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that your heart and life has been impacted through the biblical truths of this message. 
If you have questions or would like more information, please contact us through our website at beaconbaptistchurch.org. That's beaconbaptistchurch.org. May the Lord bless you.